Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Arlene Pelicane. Arlene is a passionate author of nine books, founder of Happy Home University, Masterclasses About Parenting and Home Life, host of the podcast, The Happy Home, as well as a recognized speaker and media personality. Arlene's goal is to help people succeed in raising their kids through a technology-limited approach and to help couples achieve great happiness. She has been featured on Today, NBC, and Fox and & Friends, to name a few. And she's a happy wife and hands-on mother of three. Today, Arlene and I are going to talk about parenting, screen time, and skills our kids need in this tech-driven age. Arlene, welcome! Thanks so much for having me, Karen. I'm honored to be with you. I'm really excited you're here. We started to talk in the beginning. You listeners, there's always that call before the call um, as we got on. And I started to, to dive in and ask her questions. And I'm like, whoa, hold back. We should save these for the podcast. The call inside the call. <laughs> you're right. The call inside the call is the right one. Uh, but today's day and age, no matter how old your kid is, whether your kid you know, came out of the womb and is carrying an iPad or is, and I say that half kiddingly, although I have a really cute picture of my son at like one years old standing on the iPad box. So I know it, it, it's, it's true. So many of us have, do use technology for many reasons. Sometimes it's a babysitter. Sometimes it's education purposes. And now as our kids have aged, it oftentimes gets to be their connection to the outside world. And so I would love, uh, you know, to me, technology, I thought it was so grand when we were growing up from like the speak and spells and little professors that helped us with our education to um, the cable TV when you had maybe a big screen TV and you had so many more channels than we had when we were first born. You know, now so much of this is in the palm of our hands and technology is a necessity to many of us and especially our kids. I'd really love for you to give us a level set. I think especially the two, the last few years, the pandemic, coming through the pandemic and where we're at now, how has this impacted our youth? Yeah, and we can look, let's say statistics and numbers. And then we've also got to bring that, okay, well, what does this mean to your home? Like what is happening in your home? That's the most important number. But I'll read things like the Wall Street Journal saying that they surveyed 33,000 college students and two out of three of them were lonely. And you just think about that. I always love to tell people, you know, the ages between, you know, 18 and 22, that's a pretty sweet time of life in the sense of, you know, you kind of eat what you want. You don't have any bills. You have all these people around you your same age. You know, when you're older, it's much harder to make friends, yes. all those things. And yet two to three of them are saying we are lonely. Kids are getting on screens younger and younger. Uh, Common Sense Media reported that half, this is pretty shocking, half of two to four-year-olds have their own phone or tablet. Wow. So it's no longer like mommy or daddy's that we're borrowing, swiping, stealing, <laughs> using, whatever. But I own this. This is my tablet. 
And uh, there was a, a recent statistic that I saw that in 2022, it was a youth risk behavior survey, and they surveyed these, these girls, and 60% of them were reporting extreme sadness, and 25% were report, 25%, one out of four girls, uh, teenage girls, were reporting that they had thought about a suicide plan. And so we're very, I think we're all aware that we are in a mentally dark place. Like, it's like, yes, we get it. Like we are in a mentally dark place for our children and our teenagers. And I do think it's a time for parents, for us to be aware of this, but not to like, kind of think of yourself as the outlier. Like, what can I do? Cause you have more power as a parent, as a loving, concerned parent, you have a lot more power than, than you think. So just know that. But I think it is a wake-up call to say technology should be part of a child's life, but it cannot be all of a child's life. My daughter, my I have um, three kids. I have a college-age son. I have a daughter who's a, a junior, and I have a daughter in eighth grade. And my junior daughter was saying, you know, mom, my friend is telling me that they average 13 hours a day on their phone. And they're, that's a lot of hours. Wow. And they're also, that's a lot. And they're also telling me that it's meaningless. Like they feel like they're, you know, zero drive, just kind of meaningless. Like I'm just passing the time. So I think a lot of students, a lot of kids are spending too much time. And what's happening is all the other things you're supposed to learn, the face-to-face -face skills, the athletics, the, you know, hanging out with grandma and grandpa, the learning about life, all those things we're missing a lot. And that's why you're seeing so much, you know, depression and anxiety. And think of what our kids are filling their minds with, because whether it's a video game, um, it's, it's oftentimes violent for boys, whether it's for girls, the social media of comparing yourself on one metric, let's say one metric of beauty or one metric of health or one metric or whatever. And you think, I don't measure up to that, you know? And so all these things, I heard Chris Martin is an author and he talks about how like when you and I were kids, Karen, we'd walk around and like the in-between classes, that would be like our showtime. Like this is when we have to be cool and make friends and smile and look at the boy across the way that we kind of like, you know, it was Pass in between notes classes. in the hallway. Yes. So it was like in between and, and we were on. But and then we went home and we relaxed and we did whatever we wanted and we didn't think about the bully and we didn't do anything. We just like we're home. Well, today kids are in that on that stage in that hallway showing off, flexing, being, you know, whatever all the time, because it's what you carry with you when you're on social media or when you're gaming with others that you have to be on. So it is these kinds of things that we need to think about, like, is this healthy for my child? Okay, so many questions here, but let me ask first, you were talking about the girls that was mentioning 13 hours a day. What, yeah. like, how do we know what is too much screen time? Yeah, so this is a great question. And all screen time is not equal. So we need to understand that. You can't just be like, oh, you were on for eight hours, you know, whatever. Who, you know, So I like to call them digital vegetables and digital candy. And as a parent, you're going to get this so much. And as you as a wellness coach, you will get this so well. So basically the vegetable is the thing that that's why we got the phone. You're, you're talking, you're FaceTiming grandma. You are learning, you're getting a math tutoring lesson on YouTube. You're learning a new language. You're learning how to change the oil in the car. You're learning how to cook an amazing Italian meal for us tonight. Like that's cool. And you never get in trouble for the digital vegetables. No parent is ever like, if you would stop learning that language, you know, I'm just going to spit. I'm so mad. You know, it doesn't happen. What are kids really on? 
they're on digital candy. You know, they're watching YouTube and they're watching Netflix and playing video games and they're like filtering their photos. You know, it's all candy. And just like in real life, a little bit of candy is okay and fun and you look forward to it. But if your body is built on candy, at the end of 18 years, you're going to be really, really sick. And the same is true. So don't think of screen time as all equal. Teach yourself to talk about digital vegetables and candy for ourselves because we look like we're doing vegetables, right? I'm catching up on email, but right. you know, you're really like shopping for shoes. Right. So, so we have to be honest with ourselves, candy or vegetables, and then teach your toddler, your teenager, this kind of language. So they can begin to recognize I'm wasting time right now. And that's okay. Cause I'm going to spend a half an hour wasting time. Then I'm going to go do something that's healthy for me. And, and really it's helping that child understand this isn't your mom or dad trying to control your life. This is your mom or dad trying to help you be a healthy adult. And if you're sitting still with a phone in your hand for let's say seven hours a day, which is the average, if you're sitting with candy, so this isn't schoolwork, this isn't, you know, Khan Academy, <laughs> this isn't math, you know, this is just candy. If you're sitting there for seven hours a day, you are going to be unhealthy. So I, you know, they're doing this big study of kids, um, the National Institute of Health, and there were three markers that they found makes a really healthy kid. So I think this is a really good benchmark for us to think about at least. Okay. And it's so simple that your grandparents will be like, yeah, no duh, you paid for this study. So one, get a good night's sleep, eight hours or more, get a good, and the quality of that sleep, not being interrupted by a text, not being interrupted playing video games, not waiting, not staying up until one, two, three in the morning because you can't stop playing your game. So the quality of your sleep hygiene, get a good night's sleep. Two, one hour of exercise a day. It can be, it doesn't have to be in a row. It could just be, you know, three batches of 20 minutes, but that you're exercising. Kids do this. They do this naturally. And then three, two hours or less of digital candy. So that's what they have found. Now I know for a lot of us, you think like, wow, that sounds so simple, but that's really hard on all three levels. Yeah, my right. child is staying up really late at night. My child doesn't really exercise. My child watches way more than two hours a day of video games and social media and all this. So talk to your kids about how can we get closer to this. If you have younger kids, so a child under 10, let's say you have a lot more say in I'm going to create an environment that supports this. And yes, there will be detox for two weeks. And yes, there will be tantrums. And yes, there will be angry and meltdowns in day four, you're going to want to quit. But if you see this through and you change up the environment, like I pay for all this technology and this technology is going away and we're going to do board games and we're going to learn how to ride a bike and we're going to ride horses and we're going to grow flowers, whatever it is that your kid is into, that's what we're going to do instead. And believe me, if you will detox your child, you'll be like, wow, this, this actually works, but you just have to hang in there through that period. Wow. I, I think it's, especially now with as many of us were connected before the pandemic or we, we yeah. became so, and the kids really young, the elementary school kids, my, my son was in elementary school at the time. Um, yes. they're doing all their lessons. And so it's, it's a lot, it's, it's easier now whether it's to find the joy in it through the digital vegetables because there is some fun in the education and the connecting with the grandparents and the friends or the digital candy. I mean, yum, that's good too, right? Uh, I think the older they get, though, it's harder because they're so used to 
what they think is normal. And especially because their friends are probably saying, oh, I get to play video games until one o'clock in the morning. Why can't you? Do you have any suggestions for those that are they're older and how you can, you know, work through that together? Because that would be more challenging. Yeah. I think of it as this, as a parent, you've kind of got to pick your poison. So you could be like, you know what, child of mine, go ahead. You know, your friends are on social media. Your friends are playing video games. I'm not going to stop you. I want you to be there. I want you to connect with them. Let's do that. Right. So now you're not arguing about them. You know, now they're not saying you're the meanest mom ever. (laughs) You know, they're not, you're not fighting that battle. But now you are fighting other battles. Wow, my child isn't sleeping. My child is very moody. My child is so irritable. My child says they don't really have good friends in real life. My child is depressed. My child is being bullied. My child is the bully. You know, so you're you're trading, you're trading something versus let's say you realize for my child, social media is not the best thing for her because she is really looking at herself way too critically. She's getting negative messages about who she is. She is being, you know, you know, Wall Street Journal pretended to be a 13 year old on TikTok and they got like 569 videos about drug use. They got things about, you know, um, eating disorders. They got paid porn things like these are not healthy things that your child is being, you know, it's a business. They want your child's attention. They want your child to need that phone. And so they're finding all these things. They're taking whatever your child desires and they're preying on that. So to understand, wait a minute, this isn't just like a nice little neutral device that my child is holding. You're really holding something, whether it's a game or social media that has been tweaked numerous times by psychologists, by advertisers, by brain scientists trying to figure out how can we get this kid coming back here for more where this is the only thing that will produce that dopamine in their brain. So really, I think educating your teenagers, I know for my teenagers, when after they watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which was a lot of the insiders kind of sharing how it's the business of our attention and how it's been wired to keep your attention. Once my teenager saw that, it put like that little rebel in them that says, you're not going to manipulate what I think about. You're not going to manipulate how I use my time. I have, I want it. Like I have a daughter who really loves drawing. Like she's really into comic books. She loves taking like drawing courses and then drawing in her sketch pad. And she feels like my word, if I can you imagine if I spent eight hours on social media or eight hours learning how to draw, like, can you imagine how much better I would be? So she gets mad. Like, I'm mad at social media that they're distracting so many of my peers to be like, do this when I could be doing other things. So I really think with our teens, like treat them as future adults. It isn't about like, okay, you have to do what I say now, you know, but really educate them. Like, do you, you understand this? And then maybe that's it for that. And then the next week, Hey, let's go out for ice cream and let's just talk about it. What are things you really like about gaming? What are some ways that you see it's kind of like uh, been holding you back from your goals? What are your goals? Do you have goals? And I think a lot of kids will say like, I, I want something different. Like you, you're starting to feel that, that when I talk to 20 somethings, they're saying we got cheated. Like we want more experience with real people. So I think more t- the more that the teenager can see there is another way and I will help you find that way. I think that's very, very healthy. And what that might mean though, as a parent is you might have to be the mean parent, right? And say, Hey, we're collecting all devices now, mom and dad's included. If we're not an emergency worker, we're going to put them in this certain place in this locked box or wherever. And we want you to sleep 
all night long, you know, but mom, I'm going to miss this and I'm going to miss that. And they're not going to, they're going to think I don't like them. I'm sorry. Like, like what's the, what's the alternative? Okay. Uh, in the middle of the night, you're probably, your judgment isn't that great. And you've probably sent something that you shouldn't have sent to your friend. Wow. You missed that. You know? Oh, wow. We missed the, the, the blow up thing you had the next morning. Cause you were so tired. So there's a trade-off. And as a parent, you're the one with the wisdom to see what's the better trade-off. And, and it really is to help that teenager. So my daughters, they go to public school in San Diego and they do not have social media. And my daughter will talk about how, yeah, I'm left out of things. She has three good friends at school that they have lunch together and they're all three on social media and they'll like talk to each other about things. But she says, it's not like they won't show me, you know, like, Hey, we were look at this. And then they just show it to me and we're still friends. And she's kind of been like, I would want the kind of friend who wouldn't just decide that I'm not worthy to be a friend because I'm not on social media. So it's also the quality of person that you're looking for to be friends. So yeah, is there a risk that my daughter would be left out? Absolutely. But there's also this huge gain that she is not addicted to social media. She's very free thinking of like who she wants to be without someone telling her who to be. And she has lots of interests. Like she has a crazy amount of interest from like, she reads books, like they're going out of style and she reads the classics, like grapes of wrath or something. Wow, I mean, she's crazy. And, and she's reading amazing. comic books, you know, and she loves anyway, she's a normal kid. She loves DC. She's a little bit mad at Marvel, what they've done lately, you know? So she's a normal kid, but she has all these amazing interests. Now, can you talk about skills that you would recommend yeah. for that you want to see kids have in this tech driven yes. world because as you as we know there is so much technology around us and what are your suggestions yeah and this is kind of the answer to what we've been feeling of like wait a minute they'll be left out if your child actually has skills they can look someone in the eye they can shake an adult's hand they can have a conversation with an adult and not feel weird at all. You know, all those things, those are really solid skills that are going to serve that child very well as they grow up. They can read a book without problem, without prodding. They understand the language in the book. They understand the concepts of the book. They're going to be able to enter a workplace, you know, much better equipped to figure out whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. And in the book Screen Kids, that's co-authored with Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Love Languages, we talk about the five A-plus skills every child should have. You know, we know about the A's, academic A's, but wouldn't it be lovely if your child grew up with a skill of affection? Yes. They knew how to give love and they knew how to receive love in a, in a way that's proper and they weren't looking for that in the wrong places. So affection, appreciation, you have a child that says, thank you, and not a child that's like, is that all I get? Is that, don't I get more? It's like, who wants to be with a person who is like that, right? But the phone, everything, ha we have choice. We've got a 500 shows to choose from. We don't have to wait for anything. It's instantly given to us. Amazon delivers it to us tomorrow. So kids are not used to waiting and it makes them very entitled. And that's why you see so much ingratitude. We're not grateful for what we've been given. We want something better. We deserve better, blah, 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 right? It's this, it's, it's this thing that's not grateful. And yet we know that it's very hard for someone to be grateful and anxious at the same time. Because just think of it, if you're like being grateful about something, it's really hard to be super saturated and worry at that moment. So the more we're grateful, so the skill of appreciation. 
the skill of attention. Can your child pay attention? Can your child sit through the class and make it without playing a video game on their lap? You know, can they do that? Will they be able to pay attention to their future spouse when it just sounds like, wah, 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 you know, will they be able to pay attention at their job, at their workplace to hear the directions and actually be able to follow through with them? Can they pay attention? Such a huge skill. And then the last two skills are anger management. You're going to get angry. But is it justified anger? Was there a real wrong that was committed? Or did you just not get your way? Did you just not win the lotto? You know, like, why are you really angry? And then how do you manage that anger? And then apology. Can your child apologize? That's a skill so needed where humans are just, we're just hurting each other left and right. We're very polarized. So for us to be able to say, you know what, what I said didn't come across right. And I'm really sorry about that. You know, to have a child that grows up to an adult that says that versus, well, you're the one that made push my buttons. So of course I lashed out at you. You know, that's kind of how we're being raised. And so someone who can take blame, I'm sorry, I did wrong. I want to make it up to you. How can I make it? How can I make it up to you? You know, if we have children that have these kind of life skills, we're going to be in a much, much better place. I know in the book, screen kids. And I'm, I'm jumping yeah. off what you're saying now because I'm so excited. Um, as well as you've got grandparenting screen kids. Yes. There's a lot of their stories, there's suggestions, there's science in there. Um, so I want people to go to check out the books because it's very uh, I mean, important. We cannot do it justice by sitting in here and talking unless... Um, although it's your voice, like unless we're talking. Until we go for many hours, right? For right? many hours, for many hours. But <laughs> a lot of pages. Will you throw out there just some suggestions, like hands-on suggestions, like how do you work with a kid? Okay, when it comes to appreciation, gratitude, we will show you at the end, if you're new to me, how you play the grateful game, how you can tap into different gratitude or mindfulness practices. But can you pick one of the other A's uh, and how you might be able to work with your kid, whether they're they're young, it's, it might be easier in some ways, but as they're getting older to be a teenager and then some to work on you know, some of these A's. Something super practical for attention is a very good way to teach a child attention is through reading. Because if you're reading a paper book, and the reason I say paper book is because there's nowhere to go. If you're reading online, you know, you can go other places. But when you're reading a paper book, there's nothing else to do but look at the words of the page. Now, of course, look for a book that you think is appropriate for your child's reading level, that is something your child is remotely interested, hopefully like passionate about, but find them something to read and honestly schedule it in and start small. You know, it's not going to be like a reading marathon to begin, but like, okay, Thursday night is reading night. And for 10 minutes, we're going to put on this timer and our whole family's going to read for 10 minutes. Let's say you hate reading. I don't care. <laughs> like pick up a magazine or a newspaper or something you like enough that you can handle for 10 minutes. And guess what? It'll be good for you too. So make it really specific. It could be, we're just going to start with 10 minutes. And just every Thursday, 10 minutes after dinner, we read books. I mean, how cool would that be? That would be something very memorable, but it's super small. It's just 10 minutes. But what will happen is that becomes a rhythm and a good memory for your child. Do your best to make that a good memory. They're going to come back to that book throughout the week and they're going to keep reading. So, and if they can read, that is the most like it's the biggest predictor predictor of school success, they say, if your child is a strong reader. 
And just if they can take that wandering attention and keep to the page, and then really if they can quiet themselves, that's really restful and good for them. So that's one thing for that. And then of course, I think of it in the appreciation um, vein, like insist on the please and thank yous, insist on it. Like do not move until you say, please, my daughter, Noel, she'd go milk, milk. When she was a toddler, I was like, my word, I said, okay, you can say milk, please. And then you can get your milk, milk, please. You know, and the first time, okay, fine. Then we had to work on tone, milk, please. You know, so you, you work on this, coach your children. Like they're never too old for this. Like if they're a teenager and they still don't have this, coach your children and you model it yourself. When you are with a barista at a coffee place, you make a really habit of always being, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for working. You make it part of your life and your kids will catch on and they'll do the same. My, the wheels are spinning now as you're talking about this, like 10 minutes of time. My son is a very much a reluctant reader. And so it has been a challenge that every day you should read for X amount of time. Then you can go play video games and uh, during the pandemic, we did that quite a bit. Now it's harder because he plays baseball. He wants to, oh, his friends are on. It's not just, you know, he might've just played two hours of video games, but now so-and-so is coming on and he wants yeah. to do that. But what I like about this 10 minutes of time is that you said as a family, you can spend a little bit of time together and it's something they will remember down the road. Even if my kid, you know, I'd love to say that my kid's going to go back to that book later on. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to like, to, I want to see this work. And the other thing I thought of as I was visualizing when you were talking about your daughter as an artist, I thought to myself, even if it's maybe it's, you know, culture club time with the family where we read, which is I think would be great, or even take time where we're doing like, you know, nice markers and coloring together or doing hands on projects that, you know, depending on what their interests might be that don't have to do with screens. Yeah. And, and what I like about that too, is that, okay, so I, I still think I want my kid to do the 10 minutes of reading or more, uh, but coming up with other ideas, maybe he's not going to get soothed. You know, then this goes to the anger management part. Maybe he's has a stressful day. He's not going to get soothed by reading, but maybe coloring with the markers, he could. Or playing with the dog, he could, whatever that might be. Taking a walk. I've heard really wonderful things of just kids, teenagers taking a walk, let's say with one parent, and they're just, it's like a little rhythm, a little reset, and it's so good for relationship, for your body, for everything. Oh, I love It's so simple. Yeah, I love that. So again, when we were talking about the five A's or the A pluses, one of them you said is appreciation and that has to do with gratitude. And for those of you who know me, you know that gratitude is a huge force in my life. As somebody who's embraced wellness after, honestly, not even my first cancer diagnosis, more so my second cancer diagnosis, I was looking for ways to be well. And one thing you read and read and read about mindfulness practices And when my son was younger, it was harder to say, okay, let's just sit there and do a meditation. So we started to play what we call the grateful game. He was nine, he was competitive, and he wanted to every night tell, you know, have more things, activities, items he was grateful for than me. So it was a game. And now as he's evolved, every night before bed, it doesn't happen. But sometimes we're in the car and we're just chatting and I'll say, you know, hey, what are you grateful for today and why? And to me, it's always been important for us to, you know, try and do it a few times a week because then 
you start to walk through life looking for things to share with others, to share in this case with my son and I would share together that we may be grateful for. And that becomes powerful as it's a habit. And it's a really positive habit. So um, for those of you that are listening right now, I would love um, I would love for you to take a moment, think about something that you're grateful for in the last 24 hours and why. And Arlene, I'd love for you to tell us something that you are grateful for and why in the last day. I will say I'm grateful for you. I won't make that count, but I'm grateful for you in our conversation. Yesterday, my husband and I had those that hard conversation, which I know your listeners have probably had of, you know, I'm a speaker, I'm a, a writer and all this, this conversation of, is this a hobby or is this actually a business? <laughs> because, you know, like, or are, are, do you need to look for another job? And those are always hard conversations to have. And so I had prayed and asked God, God, I need speaking engagements. You know, COVID really put a number on our industry and all different things like, God, I need speaking engagements. And the day this morning, I opened up my email and there was a, a speaking invitation to go to a parents conference. And so I think it is those answered prayers that come that sometimes we're like, oh, yay, great. But then we forget like, oh, yeah, but that prayer was answered. So I am grateful for answered prayers. I'm grateful for hard conversations that we have to have sometimes that are real and that God makes a way to, for them to work out. I'm grateful um, for my husband who is loving. He knew that was a hard conversation. And so he bought me chocolate, which he never oh my goodness. does. We've been married almost 25 years yeah. and I can probably count maybe once he's done that. So he never does that. So that I am grateful for chocolate. <laughs> well, that's that's beautiful thing. And that, that's really sweet that he knew it was going to be hard and he comes showing up with chocolate because yes. you know, he wants to walk through it with you. Um, yes. So that that's really beautiful. And for those of you that are listening, I hope, you know, you take a moment and whether you do, do it, maybe you do it later tonight before bed, maybe you do it in the car, wherever you, you know, take some time to to look around you and and. You know, these five um, A pluses that we were talking about in terms of skills for our kids really can be wonderful, lifelong skills for us as well. So um, before you go, Arlene, will you just let us know, like, what's making you happy right now that you're working on? What do you want to share with uh, with my listeners in terms of, um, you know, how they can connect with you and how they can learn yeah. more? Yeah, I'm really happy with just some new things I'm doing at Happy Home University. I'm going to have a new like masterclass about when is the right time to give your child a smartphone. So I'm going to be doing that soon. So there's some fun things there. So happyhomeuniversity.com. And you can find also there's a little documentary where I asked my kids, what's it like growing up without video games and social media? Like, are you outcast? You cry all day. Like what happens to you? So you can find that also at happyhomeuniversity.com. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You uh, I was so excited for to actually talk with you in, we do all sorts of research here to see who we want to have on as guests. Um, you know, sometimes they come to us, which is awesome. And other times we're seeking them out and you were one of them that, that we found. I'm like, really want to talk to her. I think the listeners here would love to tap into your knowledge. And I knew that I would too. So thank, thank you, you so much. And if anybody there has any questions, please you reach out to me, reach out to Arlene, um, and uh, we'll do the best we can to help you put one foot in front of the other in terms of navigating this digital space with our families. So um, thank you now, everyone. I hope that we're able to find a little bit of joy during whatever journey that you're going through in life and that... Uh, perhaps some of these lessons and suggestions 
um, can help. So have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.